worth pointing out at this point that your microphone is as broken as our central midfield, uh, so you're using a backup one. So if it sounds a bit dodgy, somehow or other, it's got to be David Moyes' fault, right? That or the Glazers. Well, the Glazers didn't finance a new microphone for me, so I blame them, although the mismanagement of the microphone is almost certainly Moyes'. Uh, right. I mean... I've had an incredibly, incredibly good week uh, in my real life. I've got some very cool news on the job front. I've got a gig writing about Manchester United, which if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see lots of stuff about in the coming weeks and months. So sorry about that in advance. But on the pitch, uh, well, well, I've been thinking quite a lot about what to say on the podcast this week. And so far, I haven't had any good ideas. Have you, Ed? Well, thinking is normally dangerous, I think. So yeah, it's, it's, it's better just let it flow. This is a show about ranting, after all. So let's rant. And, and there's much to rant about. You know, you know, the one thing that struck me most about the, the week is the different reactions from the fans, and both in the stadium and on social media. So at Old Trafford, after United lost to Swansea in the FA Cup, a loud ring of boos wasn't there, followed by some cheering as the players went down the tunnel. Uh, and then at Sunderland... Some of the best support that you'll get from any fans anywhere in the country for the full 90 minutes, the full repertoire of songs, including a significant amount of support for David Moyes, who's, or, or should we call him the embattled David Moyes? Uh, now, <laughs> he's probably reached that stage, hasn't he? So, uh, yeah, and, and at the same time, I asked uh, people on Twitter and I got uh, you know, a couple of hundred responses. A, do they support David Moyes? And, and B, do they really believe in him as a long term, uh, you know, the right man for the job? And, and the reason why I asked those questions, because my answer, just to be transparent about this, is that A, yes, I support him because he's Manchester United's manager and I'm a Manchester United fan. And, you know, that's what I've been doing for 30 years and I can't change a habit of a lifetime now. And B, no, I don't believe he's the right man in the long term, and uh, in fact, I didn't really believe he was the right man to start with. All of that said, I still don't believe he should be sacked because I think time is fair enough, and I think, as I've said to a few people now, three transfer windows and two seasons is about right before the, the correct judgment can be passed. So all of which leads me to this kind of uh, issue of cognitive dissonance where, you know, my brain and my head are saying two different things at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. I asked a question just this evening, a similar sort of straw poll. I don't think I got a couple of hundred responses. You're more popular than I am, Ed. Saying, how long would you give Moyes? Overwhelmingly, the, the I don't know, which whichever one of the three different types of average is the thing that most people say. I think that's the mean, is it? Anyway. That's the mean. Uh, yeah, so the mean average was two years, vastly. Few people say more than that. Kind of a couple of people saying less, but generally speaking, two seasons is about the amount. And your question and the subsequent discussion about cognitive dissonance is a really interesting one because all my hope for David Moyes has been based on hoping that I'm wrong about Moyes being a good choice for United or not because at no point has it seemed to me like a good idea but I don't have like a strong enough opinion of these things and I don't have like a good alternative. I think oh, it should definitely be this person kind of thing. You know, just hoped I'm wrong at all, at all points. Like assuming that Ferguson knows more about what it takes to be a United manager, and he obviously knows more about David Moyes as a person and all his characteristics and that kind of thing. Well, this is true, but Ferguson has no history of picking managers, does he? He may know what it takes to get the job done, but he also knows what it takes to get the job done as a player as well. And he signed Bellion and Cleberson and Jemba Jemba and Ralph Milne and so on. So. 
this a man who is fallible and on the evidence of six months, and it is only six months, he's made the wrong decision. But the reason why everyone says that two years is about the right time is because it takes time to build a squad. And uh, I think everyone realizes that football is a difficult game, although it's quite easy to change a team's tactics in a short space of time, as we've seen at United and at Everton, in fact, at Bayern Munich too. It's quite easy to change team's tactics. It's much more difficult to build a squad, and that's why you need a few transfer windows in order to do it. Unfortunately for David Moyes is that he's wasted one transfer window, not all his own fault. Some of it was. He says no business is doing in the second one, so next summer is massive. If United do not build significantly next summer, and that means significant amounts of investment, then Moyes is going to be managing United with his hands behind his back, and ultimately he's likely to fail. Is my opinion. Yeah, I mean, my answer is definitely that standard answer of, yeah, of course I support David Moyes as manager. And I would have been there singing his name if I was there. And I wouldn't have booed the team at the end of the game because I think United fans should have a five-year moratorium on booing, you know. It's like, and get to win that much and then turn around and boo, do what you like. But, you know, it seems crazy to me. And it was good to see the kind of hardcore United fans pretty quickly turned boos into support for the team. And as you say, that Sunderland game was incredible support for Moyes. I also get very, very frustrated by the people saying, oh, stop whining and support the team. And you just think, what, what, do, what does that even mean? I mean, they're playing terribly. People on social media discuss the nature of performance and who's playing well and who's not playing well and compliment players when they're playing well, criticise them when they aren't, support their favourites because why not? This is a hobby, right? It's supposed to be for fun. So yeah, it's just a very odd situation. The whole idea that you can't be critical because I don't know how you can be analytical of the current situation without being highly critical of the decisions that are being made, of the words that are being spoken. Another shocking week of negativity and glumness and the thing that keeps ringing in my ears is the MUTV awards coverage after we lost the league to Man City when Ferguson slightly drunkenly gave this speech which started off I don't think he had notes or anything and it started off a bit drunken uncle at a wedding and suddenly became like this warrior general leading his troops and kind of hairs on the back of the next standing up where he says whatever else I am I'm a winner you know and contrast that with absolutely anything David Moyes has said so far Right, yeah. In fact, he he feels like a little boy lost. And the incredible, I think, interview with MUTV afterwards, uh, in which, you know, he he rails at referees, uh, rails at the bad luck. And he said, I've been here before. I'm experienced. I feel like we're about to turn the corner. We're turning this one round. And I'm thinking to myself, what is his experience of this exactly? He certainly hasn't taken a championship winning team and completely destroyed their confidence before, though he's doing a very good job of it now. He hasn't experienced fighting for a title. What he has experienced, of course, is exactly what he's produced, a mid-table side playing hoofball. So, Ed, you say you, um, and I I said this too, it's not accusatory, but we both say we don't think he's the right man for the job, but we support him in the meantime. So what does it mean to you, that first part, supporting him in the meantime? What is the act of supporting David Moyes as Man United manager? What does that involve, assuming you're not at the game? Because if you're at the game, it's very clear what it involves. But assuming you're not, what is it? So X the game, so outside of the game, I I think it's just a recognition that he deserves the time and he deserves to stay in the job for a while. Look, really, this is all a bit moot, this conversation, because you and I and the millions of other United fans around the world have zero say in whether Moyes keeps his job or not. 
Uh, and so it's all a debate, isn't it? But, you know, that's that's the fun of football, isn't it? What we do every week on the podcast is just like a couple of mates down the pub having a chat about the game. We just happen to record it and stick it on the interweb for everyone to listen to and then come back with some abuse. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, in summary. So really, none of this is uh, has any value at all, really. Uh, it's just for fun. And I guess in that context, the support for David Moyes is that I think it's right that he's still in the job. I don't support the view that says he should be sacked right now, even if that would probably be the case at most major clubs. But then again, Moyes wouldn't have got a job at most major clubs. That's a really key point, isn't it? I did enjoy the United support away at Sunderland, apart from the bit where they're throwing flares at the opposition is slightly unfortunate. There are a few things very wrong at United support at the moment, but a lot, a lot right. At one point they were singing, every single one of us stands by David Moyes or will stand behind David Moyes or something like that. And I was just thinking, that is nice in sentiment. What you're saying is, you know, we're with him, but it's also a bit like damned with faint praise. You know, we as a collective recognise that we are sacrificing something in order to stand behind David Moyes. Well, quite, yeah. And you know what we haven't done? We haven't actually talked about the game. But, no. you know, there's a wider context to all of this, isn't there? And, and it's that United's fall from grace has been really hard. And so, so one of the things I thought was quite amusing was Darren Richmond on Twitter saying that one of the worst things about United's current predicament is that while all the opposition fans are uh, laughing and enjoying United's fall from grace, which has been pretty hard, uh, that he regrets not having been a more gloating twat. I think that was the right words that he used uh, when United were successful over the last 20 years and don't we all feel that a little bit I'm super into being the bigger person so I'm kind of extra proud you know plenty of United fans been unashamedly gloating about our vast success I'm sure especially many of those who had to live through the harsh realities of 80s Man United well you know we're both old enough that we did that and I remember in fact being at school with people who supported many other teams by United and United certainly wasn't successful through most of the 80s bar the cup triumph and i suppose that's a nice segue into the actual games which we haven't talked about united knocked out of one cup competition behind in another do you want to talk about swansea first because that was pretty dire i'm not sure i remember it happening it's like a weird depressing haze of ineffective midfield play that's mostly what i remember did danny score no that's why i don't remember it properly see yeah. oh no or did he no he Who's... didn't no, and then was... they scored for united routledge with the opener for Swansea, Hernandez a few minutes later and Boney with the last minute winner. I mean, you're right. Ineffectual midfield play was, you know, the summary of it. And then Tom cleverly had a stinker. Not quite as bad as his stinker against Sunderland. We'll come to that one. But lots and lots wrong with Manchester United. And, you know, I know we talked last week and predicted quite a few changes. And, in fact, predicted a 3-2 United win. And then uh, did the same thing on the blog because I always make the same prediction. Don't want to be too schizophrenic about my predictions. But uh, watching this one on the telly with some friends. And uh, I said just before kickoff, having predicted 10 out of the 11 starters that United were about to lose. That wasn't just me being negative I, I think uh, it had it written all over it because um, the worst part of United's game there was in central midfield where you had a guy who's just coming back from pretty much being out for two years Tom Cleverley's form is utterly 
abysmal at the moment. I mean, you haven't seen him play well in quite some time, and uh, he's such a lightweight in there. Antonio Valencia, the one-dimensional winger who cannot cross at the moment. So come to um, Sunderland in a bit, but he did 13 crosses against Sunderland, 12 of which failed to find their man. What's the point if that's his only club that he's using? Uh, and then Kagawa, who was consigned to the left again uh, and is patently not in any kind of form anyway. So, you know, you have an absolute horror show of a, of a midfield from Manchester United, and it kind of played out in the end. Yeah, absolutely. Bootner given endless praise by Darren Fletcher commentating on BT Sport, a man who has clearly never watched Alexander Bootner play before because he was bedazzled by Bootner's ability to put in a cross one every few times, you know, uh, and it was a lovely cross from Bootner for Hernandez's goal, which I've now remembered. But, I mean, I was just watching it thinking, well, this isn't going to end well, is it? And I just want to briefly talk about Kagawa because I'm inclined to defend him because I really like him and I'm perfectly comfortable with my own biases for players and against certain other players, you know, certain other transfer requests handing in, you know, strikers who quite often play deep in the midfield, currently injured, married to Colleen. Dirty fat scousers are you talking about? (laughs) I wouldn't go that far. He's in excellent shape and probably smells lovely. The Kagawa thing... I don't know. He's played himself right out of form, hasn't he? Uh, Not played himself, but kind of not played to the point at which he's right out of form. And it's no surprise to me that he's lost confidence in his own ability because he's been incredibly poorly handled. And I've just seen so much stick for him and kind of fundamentally not rating him as a player sort of thing. And it's like, I don't know, if if that's where you stand on it, that's kind of fair enough, but I respectfully disagree. Yeah, well, well, quite. I mean, uh, there's plenty of evidence from Kagawa's career that he's a very fine player indeed. Uh, you, you know, two excellent seasons with uh, Borussia Dortmund. Of course, there were some caveats in there. And, you know, effectively, he's not had that much experience in Europe. But he's finding it hard right now for all the reasons you say. You know, most of the time he's deployed out of position on the left. He finds it very difficult to influence the game there, especially in what is most of the time a pretty standard 4-4-2 from Manchester United and some very, very basic tactics. You know, pass, 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 get it wide, cross it from wherever you can, right? Uh, and it just doesn't suit Kagawa at all and and then when he's played uh, at number 10 and he did have a run of uh, what about four or five games in which he found it very hard to influence the game and some of that's his fault but actually if you look at the numbers he's just not getting on the ball enough and I think part of the error here is also United simply do not play through him so what's the point in playing a number 10 if uh, if your game's all about crossing so you know Kagawa's fault Kagawa's problem is multifaceted it's tactical Uh, It's the fact that his confidence is shot now. It's the fact that he's probably the wrong man for this system. Not that I necessarily agree this is, well, you know, I don't agree that this is the right system to play, but it's a system David Moyes plays um, and he's not the right man for it. So I think he's got a a real problem, Kigawa. I think he'll uh, remain a peripheral figure at United for the remainder of the season and most likely he'll be sold next summer because that's what suits him best actually if I'm being totally honest about this I think the thing that would suit Kagawa best right now is to move away during the winter transfer window there's there's really no chance of that happening but you know he wants to get some form before the World Cup doesn't he yeah absolutely and you know this is maybe marginally well maybe significantly less talented one Sebastian Veron situation and Skulls described Veron as better than Cantona in terms of levels of talent so maybe Kagawa's not at that level. Oh, I, I, talking of uh, Veron and uh, Daniel Harris on Twitter uh, posted a goal the other day uh, in which Veron hit this outside of the foot 
volleyed pass uh, over about 50 yards and completely controlled the pace uh, to put, I think, Oli Gunn and Solskjaer through to score in about 2003 or so. Oh, no, Beckham, sorry. Beckham to score in about 2003. Uh, just reminded you of the talent that Vron had. What a wonderful player he really should have been and didn't quite make it. And then Kagawa is, I, you know, honestly, I don't think he has the same level of talent, but he's, you know, similarly struggling to fit in at United. You know, he suffered last year because I think he was bought with a, a particular plan in mind of playing Rooney, at number nine and, and Kagara at number 10. And, and he was bought before the opportunistic purchase of Robin Van Persie and, and three into two don't go. And he was the man sacrificed, uh, I guess, understandably. And then this season, Moyes just doesn't want him because he's not a player that plays in a Moyes type system. And, and uh, although Moyes has said a, a few nice words in reality, I think he's always going to be a bit part. Yeah, absolutely. Talking a bit parts, uh, Fabio with a hell of a cameo in that game. In that wow. Game. Hell of a cameo. Well, we've barely seen Fabio, and I think we probably won't see him much again, given that he, he was on the pitch, what, four minutes before getting a red card? Probably correct red card, I think. You know, seriously reckless, wasn't it, as a tackle? Uh, and, you know, in many ways, and in his very brief appearances this season, in fact, you know, even more so with QPR last season, he reminds me of Raphael sort of three years ago or so, you know, when he's just emerging into the team. And, and I know it's an obvious comparison, and it's a lazy one, uh, basically, but uh, he just looks like a, a player that's got talent and, and can't apply it because he's just not had enough experience and he's not focused enough and he's just a bit reckless. And, and it's a real shame because this is the man who started the European Cup final two and a half years ago. Uh, and uh, it looks like he'll probably leave on a free transfer next summer. Yeah, I mean, he's made three appearances in all competitions for United this season. I think two in the League Cup. Oh, no, no, because that was the FA Cup game, wasn't it? But anyway, yeah, so three appearances, which, considering how much time Button has had on the pitch, is just genuinely shocking. Yep, it is genuinely shocking because, you know, Butner, we, you know, we, I, in fact, you know, I have to say I concluded this about Alex Butner after about a game and a half that he wasn't good enough for United. I am really have to say surprised that he ever came to United in the first place because it is so patently obvious that the guy can't defend. I don't know why. You know, unless there were some brown paper envelopes flying around, it doesn't make a lot of sense because six months beforehand, Southampton had looked at him as a potential option and then ended up pulling out because they didn't want to pay an extra £300,000 in agents' fees to take the fee up to about £2 million. Uh, this is about the level that Butner's at. Absolutely. He definitely offers something going forward, definitely. I mean, I, oh, I yeah. think, you know, I've said this before, but I think of all the fullbacks I've ever seen that people have said, hey, shouldn't he probably just play as a, you know, attacking fullbacks, everyone always says, let's play him on the wing. But I feel like Butner should just be an option, an emergency left-wing option while he's in the squad, you know, ignore the back thing altogether. Well, maybe the starting position would be different and I think that would affect his game, you know. The, the, thing, yeah. the thing that is very positive about Butner is is when he makes those overlapping runs he's got bags and bags of pace and he can put a ball in uh, undoubtedly he can put a ball in and and those are his two tricks I'd say the defending is utterly utterly horrendous you know this is a man who has no clue whatsoever uh, about positional play at fullback yeah and it's quite an art playing at fullback it's very different to playing in the center of defense and it's definitely very different to playing on the wing he can put a ball in, unlike Chris Smalling, who cannot put a ball in. He's like the opposite, where he's pretty solid defensively. But going forward, it's just painful to watch Chris Smalling. It really is very painful to watch him. And, and at one game I spent 
I was obviously in a cantankerous mood. It wasn't this one. I think it was the one before against Spurs. But Smalling uh, gave away the ball eight times in succession. I was counting them. And almost always it's the same pattern. In fact, against Sunderland, it took him one minute and 12 seconds. Uh, no, sorry, against Swansea. Against Swansea, it took him one minute and 12 seconds uh, into the game before he gave the ball away. And how did he give the ball away? He tried to knock a 40-yard ball uh, from a wide, deep area into the box. Uh, and that's the pattern of play when he plays at fullback. It's a complete waste. You know, he's he may be able to defend, but he can't attack at all. So you might as well be playing with, you know, say three at the back and use a wing back instead. I mean, we had Kagawa and Butner on the left and Valencia and Smalling on the right, and yet almost everything went down the right. And it was poor almost every time against Swansea. And then the goal, the kind of bright spot, came from an attack down the left. The defending, uh, Swansea's first goal, it was just like United might as well not have been there. This whole thing about how insanely permeable our midfield has become couldn't have been more route one but it was not like agricultural route one from Swansea it was actually precision route one because we left a massive great hole in the middle of the park well uh, you know I think uh, I think the problem is you know Ferdinand is shot Uh, Evans is not playing well and he's playing the best of any of our defenders and you know a lot of this is to do with the pressure being put on him because United midfield is completely exposed cleverly offers nothing defensively nothing going forward either for that matter which <laughs> brings some obvious questions and and then Fletcher just can't get around in the same way you know that's no criticism of him per se and the, other than you know he's just not able to perform at the level that you'd like for that kind of box-to-box all-action midfielder what do you expect he's had a very serious illness for two years you know everyone is really appreciative that he's got back into the game love seeing him in a United shirt he's not the answer He's not going to fix it for United. So really is. I think I used the word horror show earlier, didn't I? It really is. That that four across midfield was awful. It's putting pressure on the back four. The back four are making mistakes. We've got players out of position. Uh, Smalling's played a lot of games recently out of position. Ferdinand's barely played at all. Uh, had um, you know 75 minutes or so, didn't he, against Swansea. Evans, I'm afraid, is making a mistake a game at the moment. Vinic isn't as sharp as he once was, looks like his head has gone as well. His agent's talking about him leaving. You know, some real problems here. And obviously, Phil Jones injured at the moment. Yeah, and that's that's a big problem because this is a squad that definitely misses Phil Jones. Oh, Fletcher had a good 20 minutes or something, but, you know, that's what you would expect, right? You wouldn't expect him to be able to dominate midfields and start games. And, I mean, he's, he's featured quite a lot recently he's had a lot of minutes on the pitch way more than I expected him to have and feel like it's a bit of a medical miracle that he's playing let alone being asked to dominate a United central midfield because if he's playing alongside Cleverly he's going to have to dominate the great irony well the painful irony of this whole conversation is we've just really laid into United for 10 minutes about their performance against Swansea but that was with so many changes and players playing out of position and stuff in order to rest the players for a game against Sunderland where I think we might have been even worse. Remember, Swansea did the same thing. They rested Williams, uh, Kenyas, Rangel, Avaro's played a few games recently as well. So, you know, they've, they they didn't play their full-strength side either. Uh, obviously, the goalkeeper, Michel Vaughan's out with a bad knee injury at the moment. So, you know, they're, they're not at full strength. And when John Joe Shelby is dominating you in the centre of the park, you really got to worry. I mean, you know, just the, the basic statistics, Swansea had more possession, more shots, more shots on target. Uh, and uh, United just two shots on target at home against the mid-table side. 
Special special mention for Javier Hernandez, who, again, a player, it's kind of slightly unfair to criticise given how little football he's had, but he scored a goal, but the rest of his performance was incredibly dire, I thought. Yeah, really bad, and, and it's unfortunate because he's just not getting any games and and you know isolated for parts of that game as well wasn't he tough on him tough on him but he's not able to perform and but this is the story of many many united players at the moment and you know the the frustrating thing is there's plenty of talent in this squad and it feels that either Moyes doesn't trust them or is prepared to play them out of position. And, and the real exception to that, of course, is Yanazai. But Kegawa played out of position. Welbeck often played out of position. You know, it's only really in the last month or so that he's played as a forward and started scoring goals. Hernandez barely ever plays. Antonio Valencia, one-dimensional. Nani wasn't given a chance, much more multi-talented, but not given a chance until he got injured. So, you know, you kind of feel that it's normally function uh, over talent that is selected with Moyes and uh, and too often out of position when they do get selected um, so even when there is some talent uh, they're out of form as well you know and, and, and I know this sounds so negative but how else can it be when United have had such poor performances recently the one bright spark against both Swansea and Sunderland performances from Adnan Yanazai cameo against Swansea nearly made something happen right at the end. Bright and lively and hugely talented looking against Sunderland. Wasn't able to have a decisive impact on the game though, but you know, we can't rely on a 17 year old, 18 year old to do that every week. No, not decisive, but stand out, you know, yeah, he effectively played at number 10 and looked very, very comfortable there, didn't he? I mean, you know, I was in jest, I was saying he's got to be frustrated having to play with this shower, but the truth is he was head and shoulders above anything else in the United side against Sunderland. Absolutely. A really interesting question from At Honesty of Effort. A lot of people have been talking about Moyes giving youth a chance as a kind of real positive of the Moyes era. And it's a, I mean, for me, it's a kind of a straw clutch of my own. And then I was thinking about it. I was thinking, wait a minute, he hasn't given youth a chance. He's given Adnan a chance. And Honesty of Effort says, for how long is Adnan going to be an excuse for Moyes ignoring or loaning out everyone else under the age of about 23? No, I think that's very true. Now, remember, this is a United under 21 side that won the Premier League championship or playoff last season against Tottenham, you know, supposedly the best under-21 side in the country. Uh, United, uh, we're we're all omitting a bit of a threadbare squad, so uh, not much opportunity given to any of the other players. I mean, in fact, the the initial plan was to loan out Yanazai too, and uh, they made a change after the the pre-season. So, you know, and, and... Lots and lots of credit to Moyes for giving Yenazai the chance. But frankly, when you look back over his time at Everton, he's always trusted established players first uh, and and then gone to youth when he had to. And it's been rare. And a lot of people will say that anecdotally as well. And I think there's plenty of evidence for that. I don't think he's a man by instinct uh, trusts what he doesn't know. Uh, and, and, you know, so a lot of credit to him for playing Yanazai, but no one else has had a chance that's a young player. Zaha completely frozen out, you know. And the frustration there being that we know everything about Ashley Young and we know everything about Anderson and, and we know everything about Antonio Valencia. So in some of these early Carling Cup and FA Cup games, uh, Zaha could have been given a chance. How's he going to develop if he never gets one? He hasn't been, for whatever reason, Moyes doesn't think he's ready, but, you know, you could argue that, that he's going to get ready quicker if he gets some games. And then none of the other players have got a chance because they're all on loan. So, you know, of the better players, uh, Lingard has impressed at Birmingham City, obviously scored a, 
uh, quite a few goals early in his time there. They're desperate to keep him. Looks like he'll stay there for the remainder of the season. And then Ryan Tunnicliffe over at Ipswich. Uh, but none, none others are coming through to play for the first team. Yeah, I mean, Nick Powell, the big one, right? Nick Powell had, having an excellent season at Wigan. And so uh, apparently is Marnik Vermeij at NEC over in Holland, although I haven't ever seen him play over there. Uh, Nick Powell scored a bag of goals for Wigan. They're desperate to keep him. Looks like he'll be there for the rest of the season too, which is a good thing, I think, in terms of his development. And Wolf Icrum's just on loan at Cardiff, right? We can have him back if we want him, can we? Well, no, he's a Mulder player, so... I, I know, I'm, I'm sad, but there's a picture of him smiling next to Ollie, holding up a Cardiff shirt with his name on the back and I'm thinking that should be us yeah he should be smiling next to Ollie holding up a Man United so you know Wolf Ikram was always a a very very talented player but a player just lacked a little bit of pace so I wonder whether that will uh uh, really worked for him in the Premier League. We'll see. You know, he's he's a player who's done very well since he's left Old Trafford. Clearly, looks like he's got a. I don't know whether the deal's been finalised or not, but looks like he's getting a move back to England. And the other one, of course, Mats Moladali, uh, been rumoured to be on his way to Cardiff too. Uh, again, I don't think a deal has been formally struck for that one. But a very very talented player and a player that looks like he's got all the raw ingredients to make it at the top level. And was a real surprise that United let him go. Frankly, uh, yeah, that's the second time in two weeks that you've said to England when talking about Cardiff our Welsh listeners won't be happy about that one well they play in the English league <laughs> they do Ollie taking the job well, we talked about this extensively last week I've started following Cardiff City on Twitter but I might have to unfollow him due to excessive management envy every time I see him smiling I'm like look how much he looks like a winner I mean I know it's ridiculous it's it's ridiculous I accept my position is over emotional and ridiculous but I, I just would be so much happier if we were flapping about and had Ollie on the touchline going nope I'm going to turn this around we're going to win this stuff too right look you know um, uh, like going off topic a little bit but what would you rather United playing turgid dire football let's be honest that's what we're playing uh, and being seventh in the table um, and barely giving youth a chance uh, Adnan aside or with a, with a man in Moise that it's hard to believe in or having Oli as manager, uh, perhaps having a few more younger players in there and still losing. You know, I'd rather be seventh and you know, having a go with a young manager than seventh playing turgid football with uh, someone who I'm not sure I believe in. But, you know, hey, that's all fantasy. <laughs> Oli has got 18 months yeah. uh, while we give Moyes time <laughs> to build his squad in order to be successful at Cardiff before he takes over, right? Yeah, clearly that's, that's the narrative. A friend of the Rankcast at EWHK, Eugene Wong, wrote a really interesting piece on Stretty News about the revisionism going on about the relative poverty of United's squad and the idea that somehow Moyes has inherited a poison chalice in terms of the squad and not denying that there are problems and we've all known there are problems with the squad but that actually it's way better than seventh there's no chance that this is the seventh best squad in the Premier League we do have the seventh best central midfield in the Premier League at best you know especially you know, that might be generous yeah, I mean, yeah given that where Swansea are in the league at the moment and, and how easy it was for them to bypass us big big Michael Carrick fan having an absolute stinker of a season absolutely awful yeah, and, and we should be honest about that. I think it's one of the things about this show. We call it as we see it, don't we? And so uh, I, I suppose if you look back over the history of the rank cast, we might sound a bit schizophrenic, but uh, I, I think that's just fair. Yeah, look, this is not the seventh best squad in the Premier League. No way. There's bags and bags and bags of talent in this squad. Yes, there's a massive hole in the centre of, of midfield. Um, yes, there are problems in central defence in terms of 
the long-term progression. Uh, it, it might be that the young players that were identified and purchased aren't as good as Vidic and Ferdinand at their peak. But frankly, who is? At their very peak, Ferdinand and Vidic were the best central defensive pair in Europe and one of the best United has ever had. So maybe there'll be a downgrade there. But yeah, you know, squads evolve and I, I think there's there's loads of talent in this United squad. Moyes is not getting the most out of them. At the moment they're less than the sum of their parts. Um, and frankly, if Moyes was given the amount of money that uh, some of the media are saying that he's got anywhere between naught and infinity it seems, depending on the media outlet involved. But, you know, 100 million and up, it seems to be the consensus. Then that might buy you two or three really high-quality players, and that would make a massive, massive difference to the quality of United's first 11 and squad. And I'm really bothered by the idea that the club badly let Moyes down in the summer. I'm really bothered by the idea that the manager wasn't culpable in the transfer shambles in the summer. Well, he was a bit because uh, effectively a deal had been put in place for Thiago and he turned that one down. Would Thiago make United's midfield right now? (laughs) Absolutely. Would Thiago be like the the second name on the team sheet right now? (laughs) I think he would. I mean, I don't know if that's kind of accepted wisdom that he turned down Thiago. How convinced are you that that's the case? I'm pretty convinced. Yeah, I've heard that anecdotally from a few people now. So uh, I, I think uh, I think that was it. You know, he just he just wasn't comfortable. This was a plan that had, uh, you know been in place for some time. He just wasn't comfortable signing off on a plan that was someone else's plan. And you know, in a way, you can kind of sympathise with him there. He has a particular methodology. Uh, it's you know now again accepted wisdom uh, about his office at Pinch Farm, the Goodison's, uh, sorry Everton's training uh, ground, where he had a thousand names on the wall and ratings for players in each position, uh, strengths and weaknesses, and all of that. And you know that kind of scientific approach is the modern way. Uh, and in fact, when you look at United's scouting system, it looks a little bit out of date. You know, uh, for years and years and years, we praised Ferguson for having such a wide scouting network. It was actually very old school. This is, you know, if, you, if you've read Moneyball, this is old school scouting versus new school scouting. Uh, and maybe Moise's way is the best way. The problem is when you need to make a quick decision, when you don't have very long to be active in the transfer market, and when you're shopping at the very, very top end, maybe, maybe it was just a bit slow for United. Uh, and, you know, in the longer term, if Moyes is successful and he gets the time, because he'll only get the time if he's successful, maybe his methodology will actually work and move United's scouting system forward. Maybe. Uh, yeah. You know, I think the possibility exists of Moyes turning out to be a jolly good Manchester United manager, taking the good characteristics that he has as a manager and moulding them into the role, behaving in a way which befits the role rather than, you know, is it the Everton manager role. I mean... I feel like picking over Moyes quotes is getting kind of boring now because it just keeps happening. And I kind of, I feel like part of me is just using it as a stick to beat him with to further prove that I'm right, that he's not the right man for the job. Look, see how he's behaving. And I kind of, I kind of don't want to get into that habit. But it's just so depressingly negative. It's so small time. Fergie stands there when United have had one of the most incredibly difficult to handle defeats. They've had this league absolutely snatched away from them and they know that they're culpable in throwing it away and Ferguson stands there at the front and says whatever else I am I'm a winner every single person in that room believed him you know and you could see it it's not just his legacy although there is that it had the authority of authenticity to it 
it was true what he was saying. And then you got Moyes coming in, taking the job and saying, we're going to try and make it difficult for Newcastle. It's a real, real serious problem. And if he has, or if he is starting to lose the dressing room, as it looks like he is, this is not good. I mean, well, he's lost them to some extent because you can see in terms of their performances uh, that they are not giving everything. You know, it's just, it's patently obvious that he doesn't have the full faith of the team because they're not playing for him at the moment, you know? And, and you can translate that and say, that's the player's fault. Uh, and oh, of course, which it is, right? You know, they they shouldn't need that motivation, uh, as Darren Fletcher said before the game at Sunderland. If you can't get yourself up for this, you've got a problem. Well, we do have a problem, uh, and that's why you have a manager to sort those kind of problems out. You know, I'm totally in agreement with you in terms of Ferguson's leadership. You could never, you could doubt many things about Ferguson. Uh, his leadership, no way. Even Oli Solskjaer taking over at Cardiff this week, uh, immediately you know he's the boss. Uh, and, and he immediately, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, he's got yeah. that kind of yeah. charisma. Uh, he brought Ikram in from Heronveen. He, he said, look, this is what he's going to do for my team. He's going to blend in well with the rest of the players. He's our quarterback now. Very, very decisive. And, you know, he just feels like a leader already. He might have been a little Machiavellian about getting the job, of course. You know, there were some rumours going around that he may have been talking to Cardiff before Malcolm Mackay got the boot. But still, you know, that's the way football works, I suppose. And, and you know, this is a guy who he may be quiet. He may be a student of the game, but he's, he, he has got real leadership qualities. David Moyes, I'm not so sure. Or if he does have leadership qualities, it's very difficult for him to convey them at a club of Manchester United. And it gives the impression all the time that it feels out of his depth. He definitely has leadership qualities because like, I don't think he tore up any trees at Everton. I might be ignorant about this, but I've never been particularly impressed by Moyes' achievements with Everton. It feels like he maintained a level of mediocrity and occasionally peaked above that and built a decent little team for periods of time. I did some data on this earlier in the summer, didn't I? And Everton uh, hovered around eighth in the Revenue League for uh, the Premier League and that's where they about averaged over the course of Moyes' lifetime. So, you know, his achievement is the fact that Everton were underachieving and he got them to slightly overachieve by the end of his time with uh, Everton. So, you know, he, he they're a bit below par or above par. <laughs> yeah. Mix your metaphors there. Uh, they're, they're performing a little bit better than they should be in terms of the revenue under David Moyes. But mind you... Martinez appears to have continued that as well. The thing is, he definitely has some leadership skills because he was able to keep teams together and functioning and he was able to keep that job for a very long time. And obviously, Bill Kenwright's a pretty loyal man, but, you know, it, they'd gone through some managers before that, Everton, hadn't they? So there's definitely an achievement in that. So it's not like he's completely devoid of that quality. But if you look at him on the touchline, he's looked helpless. You, you say, like, lost and sort of out of his depth. It's looked visible on the touchline. And actually, I've had a real pang of empathy which people made fun of me on twitter for saying because he's earning six and a half million pounds a year or whatever but still still you don't want to be a failure in the eyes of the world you know yeah it's lovely to have money but i'm sure the man has a great deal of professional pride too but you look into his eyes and you know i'm uh, can't claim any expertise on this and he looks scared yeah no there's no question you can see it when you interpret body language if their body language is not coherent with what they're saying, if there's an incongruence between their physical presentation, their micro expressions and the content of what they're saying, that's when you know that they're not being completely honest. And when he gathers himself together to shout instructions from the touchline, you can hear him pull himself together and try 
try and embody authority and discipline from the touchline. You can visibly see the effort that's going into that. And it's just not successful. And as you say, this whole thing about lost the dressing room, he's definitely lost a bit of the dressing room. Interesting question from at Steve Crabtree, excellent tweeter and regular attender at Old Trafford. He says, if any, which players do you think have taken their foot off the pedal now that Sir Alex has gone and are having an easy ride? And I thought it was kind of an interesting question because last season it was pretty clear that City under Mancini were not determined to hold on to their success. There was not enough determination to repeat the success of winning the league. And that's sort of how we look this season, which we never have under Fergie. Well, yeah, I mean, there's some obvious ones. I, I think performing worse than they did last season are uh, Johnny Evans, uh, no particular order, right? I'm just going from back to front. Uh, Ferdinand, Evans, Vidic, Cleverly, Valencia, and he had a bad season last season. Uh, Ashley Young is not having a great season, but he didn't have a great season before. Robin Van Persie, obviously in and out of the side, injured. Performing better than this last season, probably only Rooney. Performing on about par with last season, Patrice Evra and David De Gea. Have I missed anyone out? Uh, yeah, you missed out Danny, who... Well, Danny's probably overperforming because he's he's getting some game time up front. He is, but I think if you look at his overall performance, it's very similar. I don't think it's the Moyes effect by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Hernandez, significantly worse. Kagawa, kind of maybe about par, but definitely on a downward spiral, so, so we're going to argue worse. Carrick, he's having a stinker, got to say, it's it's a really poor season so far from him. So, yeah, most most are on a downward trajectory and uh, and, and very few uh, are up and uh, cause a lot of injuries. And, you know, we can debate till the cows come home about how much of that is Moise's fault versus just bad luck. Uh, And I suppose, and uh, uh, Moise is at great pains to say this, some bad luck in games, but I think that follows for all teams and and some poor refereeing decisions again follows for all teams you know and um when you talk about small time i think when Moyes talks about bad luck and injuries and especially about referees he comes across as small time you know you always got the feeling that ferguson was deflecting attention by blaming referees for a poor performance because he was protecting his players i don't get the feeling that's the case with Moyes. i don't think it's as calculated i think he's just having a whinge uh, and when he talks about we're laughing at referees and uh, we feel we're playing the off- opposition and the referees, it, it's it's not becoming of a Manchester United manager. <laughs> I, know, I know exactly what you mean, but that's also quite funny because it's very becoming of a Manchester United manager. But one of them, you felt like he knew what he was doing. And this one, it's not so clear. So anyway, look, we should we should move on a bit because we've had uh, nearly an hour of ranting about how rubbish United are now. <laughs> All right, so uh, but look, we- there, there, there is still something to play for in this Capital One Cup semi-final. You know, United are a goal down. It's hardly fortress Old Trafford these days, but you'd still expect United to turn that round. And, and... I wouldn't. I genuinely. I genuinely don't think that's going to happen now. And even if we do, I'm not even sure I want to. I mean, I'm this is pathetic, but assuming City beat West Ham... Well, 3-0 up as we speak. Right, so, yeah, there yeah. you go. All right, so I'm not... Com- I mean, yeah, sure. Well, we'll be up for it. We'll, Man United will raise our game against City in the final. Will we? Or will we get absolutely hammered by a team that's much better than us at the moment? Well, you know, uh, this this is playing into Moise's territory, though, you know? So <laughs> yeah, get, getting a side up for, for uh, playing against a much better side and, uh, and you know, uh, eking out a park-the-bus-style victory is, is exactly what Moise can do. So you never know. I, I, I think, uh, of course, you know, I'm a United fan. I want United to beat Sunderland. 
uh, convincingly at home. I'd like us to go to Wembley, face City, if it is City, beat them and get some real confidence from it. And, and yes. give Moyes confidence too, because that would be silverware. Of course, you know, the head at the same time might say, we get smashed by City in a cup final. That's going to be seriously embarrassing. But, you know, that's just one scenario of many, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I said, I don't think we're going to win the semi-final, but when it comes to it, I'm going to predict a win, obviously. When is that? It's a couple of weeks time, right? That semi-final. It's a, it's a couple of weeks of 15 days. Yeah. So two weeks, two weeks uh, on Wednesday. Time, this week. time, so, to, time anyway, to get some players back fit. And we will look a different side with Rooney and we Van Persie. By then, uh, Van Persie is probably back uh, for that game. And, and Rooney, almost certainly, and Jones, uh, Narnie won't be. Uh, and Carrick will have a bit more fitness. So, you know, we'll, we'll be looking a bit more like a Manchester United side in terms of the personnel. Whether we're playing like one or not uh, really depends. And of course, a rematch with Swansea at the weekend in the Premier League. Swansea at Old Trafford uh, on Sunday night or Saturday night, I think it is. And, you know, we, I guess we'll, we'll have a more Manchester United first 11 type side out. But of course, that was the side that faced Sunderland on Tuesday night. Yeah, Moisey smashing records left and right since 1927 to Newcastle at home. And, you know, we never lost before to Swansea at home. First loss of 20 years to Everton. 1887, last time we lost to West Brom. These are not the real years, by the way. And uh, You're making this up. It was, in fact, 1932, the last time we lost three of the first the first three games of a calendar yeah, year. That's I mean, just... every single week, Moyes breaks a record. And now, is going to break the record for two home defeats against the same side in quickest succession, right? Most likely, yeah. You know what? Someone be diligent enough to have listened to all of these. Have I ever predicted United are going to lose on the, the rank house? I think maybe like, once. When it comes down to it, like, people may call me negative and a cynic and all of that, but when it comes down to it, I cannot bring myself to predict a United loss. So I'm not sure I'll do it this week either. Although, you know, given United's performance against Swansea last weekend, there is no confidence that we're suddenly going to turn this around. No, I, I mean, I also wouldn't be completely shocked if, if he gets it together and the team get it together and they, you know, get some of that Patrice Evra winning mentality back and, you know, put together some sort of performance. I, I wouldn't be shocked by that. We've gone on for quite a long time this week, but I feel remiss because we've had loads of really, really excellent Twitter questions. Uh, United being in catastrophic situations brings out the best in uh, Rankcast listeners, clearly. At Salil Fatak says, what is your lowest moment as a United fan? Probably somewhere in the early 80s when United were getting smashed all over the park by Liverpool. One of the worst was, you remember when we lost the cup final to Everton? I, c- I couldn't tell you the year. 1995. Right, there you yeah. go. That was just really, really grim, that was. I, I really didn't enjoy that. And the other one I really didn't enjoy in recent years was when we lost to Arsenal in the cup final on penalties after we absolutely destroyed them off the park all the way through that game. Yeah, two very low moments in the 1995 cup final. Uh, a, a really abject performance by United. Uh, Everton's Dogs of War winning 1-0. Uh, and it really wasn't a very good Everton side. You know, this was a, no. an Everton side which uh, kicked their way to victory. And, I mean, Gerrard got the best out of them. And, and uh, a really poor United performance in a very poor season all round. You know, Cantona getting the ban and United losing the league on the last day and then losing the FA Cup too. Oh, yeah. And also the season when we lost the league to Leeds. My goodness, that was rough, wasn't it? That, that was, was before so, all the glory so, as well. Having drawn one all at West Ham, the stewards at West Ham decided in their wisdom to keep Manchester United fans in a cage uh, before uh, the, the all the cages had come down, I guess. Uh, and uh, I was stood there with many other United fans feeling very despondent for over an hour after the game. <laughs> yeah. 
grim. That one kind of uh, was eased by the following year, wasn't it? Much as, of course, I'm sure for a lot of younger Reds, the lowest moment would have been a couple of seasons ago and then pretty quick balm for that wound, wasn't there? Well, there was. I, you know what? Aguero scoring in the last minute doesn't feel like one of the lowest moments. No, not to it, me at all. No, it's just one of those, you know, it's details. I mean, of course, United completely capitulated over the last few games of that season um, and... Uh, you're not going to look back on that moment favourably, but it was so freakish in a way uh, that the, the, the league was lost in those last few seconds. It was hard to feel too depressed about it. I, I think there have been uh, far worse moments uh, in time. At Ben Gloria says, why do you never answer any of my questions? You know, Benno, you know. And at Tom underscore McGee says, why? Question mark, exclamation mark, question mark, exclamation mark. I think we've... See previous hour yeah, of the yeah, show. Yeah, we've devoted most of the show to that. At Jaffo asks, are any of United's official sponsors Malaysian betting syndicates? This is a question that should be investigated. I do not believe that they are, but... Unless Mr. Potato is a front, because I believe they are based in Malaysia, aren't they not? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, loads of excellent questions not related to football. Seen any good films lately? Asks Joe, I have. Have you? What um, have you seen? Wolf of Wall Street. Excellent. I, I saw that over the Christmas period. Um, uh, luckily, I uh, got to see a few films before they came out here because I was over in the States and really, really enjoyed that over the top. Uh, sickening, uh, debauchery, uh, but great fun as well. And American Hustle, pretty good as well. Um, perhaps not as good as I was hoping it would be. Um, and then Anchorman 2, absolutely terrible Really, 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 really disappointing for those of you. Oh, really? Of Anchorman One. I've heard almost nothing but good things about Anchorman Two. It's the first bad review I've heard. So interesting. Oh dear, no. The the last thirty minutes, not to spoiler warning. Last thirty minutes, uh, embarrassing. It's just a vanity project. Clearly, this is not a film that had uh, much thought put into it. No, the first one, though. To be fair. Well, but the first one was funny. Yeah. Okay. This isn't. Would love to hear a debate on which screwdriver is better, Flathead or Phillips. I'm always partial to uh, a Phillips myself because at a push you can open that with uh, with a normal flathead screwdriver, but the other way around is the right pain. Well, that's true. Of course, um, I've just upgraded my computing facilities while downgrading my uh, recording facilities. Uh, bought uh, quite a lot of Mac equipment over the Christmas period. <laughs> they don't use any kind of screws that are in normal usage, so I had to get myself a whole different toolkit to use with them too. Are they Mac branded, the tools as well? They are not. They're third party, but they're, um, they're, they're very weird shapes. Okay. Uh, Hat Wars asks Just Mick 32 So Bobby or Fergie? Man, they have both got a strong, strong, strong hat game. And it was in evidence at Sunderland. Somebody captured, I guess, a weak moment from Charlton and Fergie. The eye contact between them. It looked like Charlton went to say something. It looks to me like Fergie stops him and he just shakes his head to Charlton because I think maybe he was a bit aware the camera might be on them. Uh, I tweeted, that was great. That was okay. That was terrible. Boo! <laughs> very nice, yeah. Um, uh, very dodgy hat there from Ferguson. Yeah, and a lot of jokes about him coming in disguise next time round, and there was a lot of debate about whether this puts pressure on Moyes or not. And what do you think? Because to me, I can. I, it's silly, isn't no, it? No, I, I, I don't think so. I, I think this is silly talk. I don't think it puts any pressure on Moyes uh, at all. I, I think this is all dating back to the Busby era when Busby had an office and kept the manager's office. 
when Rolf McGuinness uh, took over as manager, you know, of course, a completely different scenario. You had a man in his 60s who'd won everything for Manchester United and a man in his 30s replacing him. So, of course, he was undermined. Moise is much more experienced. I don't think he's got a problem with this at all. Although a few people rightly pointed out maybe Tom Cleverley has a problem with Bobby Charlton there in midfield and uh, up there in the director's box. And Robbo, nice to see him well and uh, watching the game. Didn't look very pleased about it, though, did he? No, absolutely not. That's not going to do you much good watching United under those circumstances. The one thing I kind of think about Moyes and Fergie is I'm slightly worried that Moyes is not using Fergie enough, to be honest. I'm not worried about an undue pressure. I'm I'm worried that he's not having the conversations behind the scenes that you'd hope he would be having at this point. But, but. Well, maybe um, Moyes says he consults him, but I think over time he'll consult him less, um, yeah. you'd hope. At Pete of all trades says, how do you like your tea? I don't drink it. Soy milk, no sugar. How do you have your coffee, Ed? Hot and black. No sugar. At Craig English 92 says, is David Moyes the only one taking the anti-glazer protest seriously? And on that note, <laughs> nice. Undermining them from within. Absolutely. So a prediction for the Swansea game. I think United are going to win six nil. No. <laughs> yes. Get in. I, I do not. Um, let, let's just say that uh, United cannot lose a fourth game in a row. <laughs> Cannot, cannot. It's it's just it's totally unacceptable. Uh, you asked me a few weeks back, uh, what would it take for Moyes to get sacked? And at the time, I said ten more defeats. I think we've actually had four since then. So you know, he's on a. <laughs> it, it's not looking good, mate. Um, Presumably, we're going to lose at some point in the European Cup, right along the way. Well, so. right, yeah. So it could it could happen. It might be touch and go towards. This is the prize he really wants, of course. You know? <laughs> uh, so um, no, I think maybe United will they have to put in a performance they just have to yeah uh, and uh, so i think as a result and, and i don't think it's going to be pretty i think you know it's uh, it's cry havoc unleash the dogs of war or let's slip the dogs of war isn't it we're and gonna have to sign them between now and then well that's true there are no dogs of war this is this is part of the problem but uh, so i think united will win one nil yeah okay i don't know how to predict it part of me wants to just say we're gonna win three nil what the heck 3-0, we're going to win 3-0. But realistically, I'm going for a 1-1 draw because... So you're smoking something, aren't you, with that 3-0? This alongside your pre-season prediction that United would win the league. <laughs> Let's just remind everyone of that one. I also said Danny Welbeck could score a lot more goals this season. I was right about that. That's true. He's got about 800% more goals so far. <laughs> yeah, Danny Welbeck now with 800% more goals. So, uh, play out song, a special treat from the man that brought you I Could Be Your Hero, Bebe, uh, last season. This ode to the January transfer window brought to you by Ed Barber at Ed Barber on Twitter. If you want to get us on Twitter, you can find me at UTD Rankcast. You can find Ed at United Rant. Find us both, or more accurately, neither of us at facebook.com slash United Rant. We do both hang out on the show page at unitedrant.co.uk and uh, leave us a review on iTunes, all that good stuff. Thank you if you've done that in the meantime. Uh, unitedrant.co.uk slash donate if you want to chip into Ed's new microphone and uh, thank you very much to everyone that's done that in the last couple of seasons much appreciated yeah very good uh, apologies to, for the poor quality of audio it turns out to be not very good it's actually a very nice microphone but it's uh, not designed for podcasting i should say we'll be back to normal equipment and normal audio quality next week and hopefully with three points to talk about too come on you reds